I'm Rosanna, and this is AFL Obsessed. How are you? I know it's been a couple. I told you I was going to Chicago for a bachelorette last week, and it was so fun, but it was very cold, and it also snowed while we were there, but it didn't put a damper on any of the fun. And I will finally put the Insta stories up so you can check that out today. But we stayed in an amazing Airbnb right in Wicker Park in this historical building. This really cute neighborhood. It kind of reminds me of Brooklyn with all of the cute walk-ups. But yeah, it definitely made me think of our time away during the pandemic and all of the adventures that Andrew and I went on hiking and going to national parks. It was really nice to get away and to have brunch and just catch up with friends too outside of the city and to see Day, my bestie who you've heard on the pod. But yeah, round three was really exciting. The showdown, probably the most exciting game for me. What a showdown after the final siren, that ending. And the Carlton versus Hawthorne game where the Blues won by a point. Such a crazy game. Lots of comments, but obviously we've got to move on and talk about round four. But yeah, the rest of the month, guys, is going to be pretty chaotic on this end. So Andrew and I are going to be moving again now that our lease has come up and we love our building and we love the neighborhood. So it was a pretty tough decision, but we honestly just need more space So we are doing right now the very tired song and dance again of looking at places. And I won't tell you how many days we have left because I will absolutely panic if I think about it. But I feel like you're always reminded of how many people actually live here when you're searching for a place. And we've been spending weekends looking at neighborhoods anyways I think we've just been really spoiled in our area because we have everything. We're so close to everything and the accessibility for transit. But yeah, please tell me some of your stories with apartment rentals or share your recent experiences with moving during the pandemic. I think it'll make me feel better. In NYC, it's all very last minute. We haven't even started packing yet. I think we're getting our storage bins like in the next couple of days. And then everything will like really ramp up from there. But you honestly can't even book a viewing unless your lease is coming up. They're not going to show you a space months in advance here because it's very cutthroat. It's very ruthless almost in a way. And I do remember seeing a space that I really want to tell you guys about where I was just like, oh, that was my feeling about it. Sometimes the hallways can be depressing in an apartment building. And I don't know if you feel this way, but I'm just like, I can't live here. (laughs) There are some hard outs for me and some deal breakers. And I guess they're not just confined to like the space that we're living in. But what are some of your deal breakers? Please tell me. As I said, I think it'll help me feel a little bit better. And I just want to know how everything's going on your end anyways. I don't know if you guys remember, though, when we saw the decapitated bird the last time we were searching for a space. (laughs) Nothing that colorful, thankfully, this time around. I am trying to keep all the stress levels down and be really efficient with our process since we're both working. We're not taking any time off to do this. And 
I think we've really got a handle on that aspect of it just after all of the places that we stayed in while we were away for months and we're moving constantly. But yeah, I'm feeling pretty exhausted and a little bruised from the process, if that's possible. You know, that's another story for another time. Hopefully the next time I'm with you, we'll have far better news and maybe a new home. But now let's get to it and just dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts on the week and where we're at now in NYC in the U.S. So I'm very excited and just pleased to say that Katanji Brown-Jackson was confirmed to be our next Supreme Court justice. She is the first Black woman to hold a seat in our nation's highest court, and I'm just really excited for her installment and just the fact that it's happening. So... I feel like we've just been going through the motions otherwise here in the city. I feel like the cherry blossoms are all peeping in Central Park. And honestly, if you guys want to know what my day-to-day is like, I feel like I'm always on the move, heading to client appointments, and genuinely just working in the back of Ubers. So it might sound exciting, but really, I'm just stuck in traffic all day almost the entire time because it's always congested in midtown Manhattan and in the Upper West or the Upper East. So yeah, even though we are just going through the motions with work, time is still flying by. (laughs) And I feel like we haven't done much beyond peeping different neighborhoods. We haven't done anything too exciting. I think we went to the milk bar over the weekend, and that might have been the extent of our excitement walking through the village. It's not the same as like a milk bar in Australia, where it's more like a street corner convenience type of place. This is a chain by the Momofuku Food Group where they have this really great ice cream and they have like a cornflake special topping. I know it sounds really Not that exciting, but I promise it is. So we did that, and I guess my super coach team scored better than I expected considering how the season has gone. I scored in the top 3% just for the round. I will take that percentage, and I am just mentioning it here because that might be the highest score that I get this season. But we've just been watching a lot of sports This was an action-packed weekend. The AFLW Grand Final happened. Baseball is back, even though we've had a delayed season start. The Masters in golf happened in Formula One, so we've got a lot to talk about. But now let's get to footy and on to Act One with AFL headlines and highlights for Round Four. We have to talk about the AFLW Grand Final. Guys, over the weekend, the Crows won again. They are the most successful team in the AFLW. And every time I watch the AFLW, I just look at these superior athletes like Erin Phillips. And I mean, I love her. You know, I love Daisy Pierce. I love Taylor Harris. But really, Erin Phillips, because of what she's done over here, too. And the team overall, the Crows are just so well drilled. So congrats to them. Congrats to Melbourne also. I know Daisy is still chasing a cup, but she's got such a bright future in terms of in the media. I really hope she plays on just for me personally because I'm such a big fan. But I'm also really excited about where she will end up in terms of coaching. 
and Essendon signed a couple of players for our AFLW side. So I'm still getting used to the idea that we have an expansion side or just calling it that. It's so exciting. But Maddie Perspakis and her teammate Georgia G have signed to play for us next season. And Maddie especially, she won the Rising Star in her debut season and the Best and Fairest in her second season. So that's a huge win for us. I'm really excited. I can't wait to support our team next year. I've been ready for this for a long time, and it's a long time coming for us. But moving on to the AFL, guys, there were so many surprises this weekend. In the Hawthorne versus St. Kilda game, the Saints pounded the Hawks. It was a very competitive start, and it was a very exciting game, but I feel like it kind of broke away in the second quarter, and, you know, the Saints never looked back. I feel like it was just a display of goals for their best players. I think Gresham King and Membry, I want to say, and Hill even, I think they all scored four apiece. So that was a really exciting thing for the team, and yeah, just something that I wasn't expecting. And also, Gold Coast beat Carlton, who was previously undefeated until this round. And Carlton walked away with some injuries. So Patty Cripps is now injured. And I want to say that Makai also broke his nose during the game. I know he came off for a bit. But yeah, that was just another surprise because I know that Carlton has been way hyped. And it was really funny to see everyone on social media kind of retract their statements about where they feel like Carlton will end up by the end of the season. But yeah, another huge shock. And, you know, guys, I have to talk about the Essendon versus Adelaide game because for the round, it was probably one of the maybe more entertaining games unless you're an Essendon supporter, and then you're just terrified the entire time. So I mentioned that insane showdown ending earlier, and that was just lingering in the back of my mind the entire time, how terrifying it was that Adelaide stole the game at the end after the final siren, and it just really felt like they could still pinch us in the pocket the entire time we were playing They were relentless. They kept coming back at us. We were beaten to the contested ball overall. And our team defense was, let's just say there's a lot of room for improvement. You know, it was too easy to get through the corridor. We have to shut that down. It was a little too ping-pongy for my comfort level. It was far too easy, as I said, to kind of just lob it through. Normally, it's we don't allow that to happen, and we kind of make you earn it. But yeah, we are missing a lot of key players. On the brighter side, though, for a team that was the youngest in the comp this round, and the massive gaps that we kind of are exposing in terms of those key player injuries, I will take the four points. There was no other option but to win a game. And <laughs> Andrew actually went to bed before the game finished and he knows I'm going to tell you like it is so he wants me to point out that it was in the last quarter (laughs) I think it was like one something in the morning you know I'm sure he didn't want his entire emotional state for the weekend to be determined (laughs) by the result of our game I think I was just a nervous wreck the entire time. My anxiety levels have never been something I've noticed 
unless I'm watching an Essendon game, particularly this season. There was no air supply. The entire time, I was very hopeful. When we got towards the end of the fourth quarter, I just kept thinking, could we? I mean, is it possible? We really knuckled it out. We gutted it out in the trenches. That Draper goal at the end really helped me feel a little bit better. But I will say that we did play And we fought every single second of that game right until the last second. So well done to our young team. I'm so proud of our boys. Perkins, Durham, Nick Martin, Guelphie, Parrish, Jake Kelly, all of our talls. You all get a shout out. I'm basically virtually hugging all of you. And yeah, we literally had to crawl over the line, but we got there. It was a very emotional game. And at the end of it, I know when the siren went off, Alec Waterman was just on the ground. And that is how we all felt as a supporter, just completely spent. I think Nick Martin, too, is getting compared to Josh Rochelle quite a bit because they both had outstanding debuts and they both kicked five goals apiece in their first game to losing sides for their game. That's fine. But I do think that Nick Martin actually is a star. I know this is, I'm just really happy with him, his off the ball work, the things you don't get stats for. You know what I mean? I'm just very pleased with him. I'm happy with our work rate. And yeah, I will take the win. We have climbed up from the bottom of the ladder. So we are currently on the 16th rung, but I'm still going to come away from that. And for the rest of the week, I'll be smiling. There were some major player injuries this weekend too, guys. So Buddy was subbed out with his finger. I think it was broken after a tackle. I can't remember the exact moment that that happened, but that was really scary. I'm so glad that he's hit his thousandth goal so we don't have to worry about him being out for a few games. Nick Nat also got injured, and he's rolled out until the second half of the season. So I really feel for West Coast. They have had so many players this season just kind of come in and sub. And I just really feel like, you know, 37 players maybe in the opening rounds, they've got to take like a conservative approach with him, and I hope everything will be okay with the team. And poor Adelaide. I know Charlie Dixon is going to be out longer than we suspected, so all the best in recovery for him. And Ollie Wines had to go to the hospital after the game for a heart irregularity, so I hope everything will be okay with all of those players. May you ameliorate with alacrity. (laughs) It's just all I have for you. Okay, it's intermission, so quickly during this time, let's cut away to other sports. The Masters happened, guys, over the weekend. And Cameron Smith, I don't know if you saw him, but he was a really entertaining player to watch. He ended up tying for third, five shots behind the leader who ultimately won. But Cameron Smith is Australian. And if you don't know about him, he made the cut in all five of his Masters appearances, which is pretty remarkable. I think he's had two top tens and he was a runner up to finish in 2020. So that year too, he also made Masters history and he was the first player to shoot in the 60s in all four rounds. So congrats to him. He's a really exciting player. Definitely get behind him if you haven't checked him out, but we were definitely cheering for him. <laughs> for the weekend and he ended up playing alongside the leader but I'm really happy that he's still up there and I look forward to whatever's to come with him. Formula One also happened and 
the race actually started in the middle of the Essendon game. So if my anxiety level wasn't already high enough, that is an event that I really want to watch. And the Grand Prix was in Melbourne. So Andrew obviously had that on on the TV. We had the footy game on the laptop. We had to do the dual screen thing again. And we just kind of had to watch both. Obviously, my eyes were on the footy, but... It was really exciting to see so many people at an event again. And I actually think that that was the highest attendance ever for a Grand Prix weekend. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I think the organizer said that that drew more spectators than any race weekend in the sports history. And I think there was a total of like 419,000 plus people. And you beat out Texas last year, I think, with 400,000. Well, now we're on to act two, where we have discussions about relevant footy topics and issues. And guys, we got to talk about Cyril Rioli and why he retired. But Cyril and Hawthorne and specifically, I guess, his relationship with Jeff Kennett, the club's president, is really kind of what I want to focus on. So let's back it up to when Cyril Rioli, in 2018, I remember when he announced his retirement. Very prematurely, it seemed. I know it was really sudden and effective immediately. And I think there was something along the lines of him just moving back to be with his family in the club verbiage or the club statement. And we never really had clarity about that. And I believe that he had asked for some leave before that point. It's not uncommon to kind of contemplate your future, especially if you're recovering from injury. And I don't know if that was his narrative or the club narrative, but I remember specifically talking to Andrew about what a surprise the announcement was. Even more so for him, I think, because Cyril was such a beloved, almost cult status-like player for the club. And I think we both just thought there was more to the story and would we ever really know? So Cyril is a four-time premiership player. He played 189 games for Hawthorne in his 11-year career. He is an absolute star. I feel like if you know the game, if you know the club, you're familiar with him. I think he still maybe had like two years left on his contract. I'm not sure, but he absolutely could have played on. So now it's come out because Cyril has broken his silence about his fractured relationship with his former club. And he's never really spoken about what happened, but he did an interview recently where he believes there was a lot of gaslighting at the end of his career. And the final straw was an incident that actually involved his lovely wife, Shannon. I believe it was at the Launceston Airport in Tassie, where his wife actually had a run-in with club president Jeff Kennett. And it was during 2018's Indigenous round. I guess he's, obviously this is all like allegedly, but he made a comment about her ripped jeans. I mean, she was wearing designer denim, fine. And I guess he offered her some money, like he literally took some money out to buy some thread so that she could, you know, fix the look or whatever. Jokes aside, I mean, that's an insane response to have when you see a piece of clothing. Just coming from a fashion background, whatever you may think, it's just not appropriate. And it was very belittling and humiliating when she spoke about it with the club. I guess they said she was overreacting and then started portraying her as an angry black woman. So 
Obviously, Cyril is not okay with this response, but he was also disappointed to kind of by their response to a series of incidents during his time there. And I won't get into it. He has revealed some of the incidents, but he has, I guess, from their standpoint, they've urged the club to just kind of improve their poor cultural awareness practices. And they feel like significant actions weren't taken in response to the incidents. And I mean, one incident, again, not okay. A number of them really is just kind of shocking to me. But this really rocked the footy community when it came out. And following like the explosive comments and interview about his fallout with the club, apparently at the time it did lead to crisis meetings at Hawthorne that involved Jeff Kennett, football boss Graham Wright, Clarko, obviously, Cyril's manager, and also his teammate, who we love, Sean Burgoyne Silk. Hawthorne has since released a statement of apology, and it said, you know, racism in all shapes and forms is unacceptable. There's always more work to be done, and they are committed to reconciliation and ensuring that First Nations players do feel culturally safe and have a voice and that they will be listened to and acted upon. I'm not going to rate like that apology, but there have also been calls and pressure for Jeff Kennett to step down since. And not just by like members of the club, but just members of the footy community. I think that he is, his tenure actually ends at the end of next year, if I'm correct. And I think he had already expressed as a desire to maybe step down by the end of the year, but following pressure He may leave potentially earlier. I've heard June 30th thrown around, but I'm not actually sure if he plans to step down at all. That's just, you know, things that I've read, some rumors I've heard. I do feel like if he leaves, the incidents may not be investigated to their fullest extent, and I really hope that that happens. It does seem like there has been somewhat of a cover-up until now. In a sidebar, I guess... If it's between a star player or your president, I mean, your marquee player, I think you would choose your player. I don't know if I'm the crazy one here or if you agree with me. Tell me what you think. But Cyril at this point has made it clear he would be open to coming back in some form like coaching and otherwise, but he won't return while Kenneth remains president and it won't be for that club. So what do you guys think will happen? I mean... Are we going to have another Collingwood AGM incident? I'm just so saddened and disappointed every time there is news along these lines or we just kind of find out about past events because these incidents have led to, you know, some star players to cut short their careers. And why aren't we doing better at racism in sport? You know, I know Collingwood commissioned kind of their review and after that, They realized there was no effective means of kind of making complaints about racism at their club. And when a complaint was made, the response seemed to be defensive and that the club would be more concerned with their media coverage than actually helping the victims. And sometimes the complainant would pay a high price for complaining. And I really don't want that to be the case for the league. I feel like there shouldn't be a gap in like, you know, what you stand for and what you practice especially when it comes to diversity and inclusion. And I am really hoping that Cyril will come back to the game. 
and that eventually we will get to a place, and I mean sooner rather than later, where we will have a zero tolerance policy with this going forward. Because I do think that culture change obviously has to be accepted and supported organization-wide. It can't be left to the individuals. And, you know, change has to come both from like the top down and also from the bottom up. If individuals are speaking up about it, boards and leadership do have to listen. Thanks for listening to my rant, guys. I feel like week in and week out, we end up having like a mini tag talk or something along those lines. But now it's the after show, guys, where I just want to thank you all for sharing a part of your day with me and caring what I have to say about footy and really just keeping me company. So I really hope I'm doing that for part of your day, too. But that's it for me. Thanks for hanging around for the show, guys. Please hit me up on all socials, aflfootyobsessed at gmail. If you want to email me any stories, if you want to tell me what's going on in your world, and aflobsessed on all the socials too. But stay safe and healthy, guys. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like we have with footy. I'm virtually hugging you, and we'll talk footy soon. <laughs>